0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Two stories from my growing up years in Chattanooga, Tennessee. In, uh, in my front yard as a child, we would, we would often play. Um, I, I, for some reason, I have the memory especially of playing outside in the front yard right after Little League games. And... Um, in the early summer months, we would be out there after a game, and the sun would be going down, and my sisters and I would, we would have little jars out, and we would try to catch fireflies, or as we called them in Tennessee, lightning bugs. As the sun kept going down, you know, the, a funny thing would happen because first it appeared that there were just one or two lightning bugs around. But the darker the day became, the sun set, the moon came out, suddenly our front yard was glowing with fireflies. Years later, I um, would often go camping down with my friends uh, just down the street from my house at a, a little lake lot. And in the middle of the night, just for fun, my friend and I would hop in a canoe, row out to the middle of the lake where where the fire that we had made was literally just a dot on the shore of light. We'd row out to the middle of the lake, the big Chickamauga Lake, 1 or 2 a.m., and it would be so dark, we'd lean back in the canoe, and the sky would be shining, shining with a thousand stars. We wouldn't say a word, just enjoying the radiance of the light like a dome around us. Of course, the stars had been there the whole time, right? The stars had been there all day, but suddenly, middle of the night, against the backdrop of night's darkness, the stars shone. In our gospel passage today, St. John wants us to know something really surprising, surprising about God's glory. He wants us to know that God's glory, like the fireflies in my front yard, like the stars in the sky, God's glory is best seen against the backdrop of darkness, against the backdrop of darkness. Theologian Thomas Aquinas talks about, especially in this passage, how glory and clarity are synonymous. For something to be glorified is for for that thing to be seen as it should be seen, to be seen aright, to be seen clearly, to be seen in all of its splendor. That's what it means to be glorious or glorified. So to see God's glory is to see God clearly. To see Jesus' glory, to see God glorifying Jesus, as he talks about in this passage, is to finally see Jesus as he's meant to be seen with great clarity. Today, St. John says that in Jesus' betrayal by Judas, we actually see God's glory with clarity. Did you get that? In the midst of Jesus' betrayal by Judas, that is when we see Him with clarity. And here's the application and invitation for us. And like Jesus, for us who seek to follow Him and to obtain the glory that awaits us, the glory that is promised for all of God's people who follow Him to the end, it will be, brother and sister, it will be against the backdrop of the darkest moments in our lives. Poverty, addiction… Betrayal, physical illness, tragedy, it will be against the backdrop of those moments in our lives that God's glory is most on display. Two quick examples from the text. Let me show you what I mean. Look at our gospel passage. Did you know that for St. John, glory is—it's a major theme of the entire gospel account. Remember at Christmas time, early in John's Gospel, first chapter, we read these words And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen His what? His glory. The glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. From this point on in John's Gospel story, chapter one, John traces the story of glory. And so, it should not come as a surprise when we get here to chapter 13 that John uses the word glory, did you count them? Five times in these short few verses. Now here's the twist. What might be surprising to us is not that John's talking about glory, he's always talking about glory, but it's the context in which this glory comes. That is to say, in verse 31, Jesus says, now the Son of Man has been glorified. Wait, 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 wait. Now, what do you mean, Jesus, now? What, what just happened that causes Jesus to say, now the Son of Man has been glorified? Well, reading a few verses earlier, we discover that now refers to Judas's betrayal of Jesus. Judas, they were in the upper room. Judas had been handed the bread, dipped in the cup, and he leaves. He. In it essentially sets in motion Jesus, he seals Jesus' fate in the few moments before Jesus says, now I'm glorified. Friends, you and I tend to think that glory is being the valedictorian. Glory is securing that huge contract at the office. Glory is being elected to some office of leadership, right, with titles like doctor, or better yet, reverend, father, dean, bishop. But in God's economy, glory is that which shines with God's essence in the midst of the darkness around it, just like Jesus is shining here in this passage in the moments after His fate is sealed. Okay, so Josh, you're saying… Let let me get this right. You're saying the bad things that happen to me are glorious, are full of God's glory? Is that what you're saying? Well, well not, not, ex- not precisely, because there's another key word in this passage, and I think it's the mechanism that turns the darkness of our betrayals into the instances of God's glory, moments of clarity. The mechanism is simply this, Love. You see, what makes Judas's betrayal of Jesus so glorious is that Jesus responded in love. And Jesus commands us to do the same. Second point from the passage, look at verse 34. First half of the passage is about glory. Second half of the passage is about love. Jesus says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. In fact, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. You see, Christ's love is the missing piece. Christ's sacrificial love changes the way we see the betrayals and the heartaches and the brokenness in our lives. You realize, of course, that love is a theme in, I mean, just about all religions, So what is it that is new about this commandment? Jesus has talked about love before. It's new because this love is not just for friends. This love is for enemies. In essence, you could say this is love that is for those who have betrayed you. It's the kind of love, in fact, we see played out in the Acts passage that Theo read. Love that brings together Jews and Gentiles two people groups who've been at enmity. Friends, today God invites each of us by the example of His Son's love for us. By the way, His Son's love for you and me, who just like Judas and Peter and Thomas and all the rest of him, would surely have betrayed Him. God invites us to see our own wounds of betrayal as opportunities to display God's shining glory And don't forget this part, the invitation comes to display God's glory with otherworldly, supernatural, extravagant, unnecessary, unjustified, sacrificial love. So if you were to begin this morning from here on to look at the problem people in your life through this lens, you know, the boss that you hate the parishioner who sits beside you every Sunday at eight and sings off tune, the spouse who betrayed you, the friend who has deeply disappointed you, if you were to begin to look at the problem people in your life through this lens, the lens of glory and love, then and only then might you begin to understand what poet Sarah Williams means when she says this, I've grown too fond of the stars, too fond of the stars, to be fearful of the night. I've grown too fond of the stars to be fearful of the night. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.